deep-fried candy bars, projectile pies, and a wee dram. This week, we're in Glasgow, Scotland. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson. Welcome to Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Glasgow is a rough and tumble city that's lingered in the shadow of showy Edinburgh for decades. But the city they call the Deer Green Place is emerging as a great destination in its own right, with friendly locals who have their own vernacular, superb high and low cuisine, and of course, scotch whiskey. So let's eat. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. There's much more to Glasgow than I could ever fit into a single podcast, so check out DestinationEatDrink.com for more great dishes, beverages, and things to do in Glasgow. It would be so easy to dismiss the Glasgow culinary scene out of hand. After all, the city's most famous contributions to gastronomy are the deep-fried Mars bar and the Glasgow salad, also known as the munchie box. And while it's true that Glasgow seems to have more than its fair share of chippies, fish and chip stands, and kebab stands, the Deer Green Place also boasts 17 restaurants with the Michelin plate designation. Sure, Workaday Glasgow isn't a fine dining mecca yet, but what she lacks in fancy tablecloth establishments, she more than makes up with delicious eateries, many of which are run by immigrants from former UK colonies. In the U.S., we make fun of the deep-fried Snickers bar, a state fair institution, but this idea of deep-frying candy bars was actually invented in Glasgow with the deep-fried Mars bar. And the deep-fried Mars bar has been held up as an example of Scotland and Glasgow in particular's unhealthy eating culture. Some have called it the Glasgow effect, the idea that Glaswegians are pessimistic by nature and not concerned with planning for their future by eating fresh foods and adopting a healthy lifestyle. This, according to the people who promote the Glasgow effect, has led to low life expectancy and high obesity rates among the residents of Glasgow. Of course, eating one deep-fried Mars bar won't kill you. Probably. And if you want to get one, the place to get it is the University Cafe. Scotch pie is the original fast food of Glasgow. Its history dates back maybe 500 years, and the Scotch pie is traditionally a working person's food. Hot, filling, cheap, and small enough to eat with just one hand. It's a little pie, maybe three inches in diameter, double-crusted. It has a top crust, it has a bottom crust, and is filled with minced mutton. It also has a concave top, which allows for you to put either brown gravy or baked beans on top of the scotch pie. The mutton is heavily seasoned, especially with black pepper, which can mask what is sometimes a low-quality meat. 
The scotch pie is especially popular on Saturdays when it's served in bars and at stadiums during soccer matches. The handheld size and round shape make the scotch pie a perfect projectile that can be used if the pie is of low quality or if the play on the pitch is not up to snuff. Bakeries, cafes, and bars all over Glasgow serve scotch pies. You can get them in dives like the Star Bar, where you eat scotch pie and watch the game. Or you can go upscale to the Victorian-era Horseshoe Bar. But if the idea of minced meat of questionable origin puts you off, try Rose and Grant's Deli Cafe. They serve a vegan scotch pie. Don't be misled. The Glasgow salad, also known as the munchie box, has nothing to do with leafy greens whatsoever. It's just the name that's been given by the typically sarcastic Glaswegians to a pizza box that's stuffed with every kind of unhealthy food that you can imagine. It's got pizza, chicken, kebabs, onion rings, garlic bread, french fries, fried rice, any other combination of deep-fried or carb-laden fast food that you can possibly think of, it ends up in the Glasgow salad. And as you can imagine, this box of saturated fat is best after a long night of imbibing. And with so many great scotch bars in Glasgow, they also sell lots of munchie boxes in Glasgow. And some of them check in at over 4,500 calories. So you're best advised to have several drunken friends to share your munchie box with. The Glasgow salad is ubiquitous at chip stands, kebab joints, takeaway spots all over Glasgow. And I'm not recommending any particular one, but feel free to roll the gastronomic dice and Sit on the curb with your Glasgow salad at 2 a.m. and ponder your poor life decisions. When it comes to vegetables, one of the best in Glasgow is called Clapshot. It's also known as Neeps and Taddies. Neeps are turnips, taddies, potatoes. And what Clapshot is, or Neeps and Taddies, is kind of mashed potatoes, but you add in to the mashed potatoes boiled and mashed turnips. Mashed potatoes, I think, can be a little boring sometimes. Adding in mashed turnips to it gives a new texture and a new flavor to boring mashed potatoes. Add in a little salt, a little pepper, a little butter, and snip some herbs like chives on top, and you've got a really nice, interesting side dish. You'll often see neeps and taddies served as a side dish with haggis, something I would never eat, but you can get neeps and taddies by themselves. Uh, the Piper Bar, which is actually an excellent scotch bar, they have clap shot a.k.a. Neeps and Taddies, on the menu, and you can get them without getting haggis as well. For sweets, it's got to be tablet. Tablet is sometimes referred to as Scottish fudge, but it's actually something wonderfully different. Fudge, you know, is soft and chewy and gooey. Tablet is more crunchy and brittle. Maybe not as brittle as toffee or hard candy, but still has a lot more texture to it than fudge. It's made with sugar, 
condensed milk and butter. And you'll often see tablet flavored with other things like vanilla, nuts, and we're in Glasgow. So tablet is often flavored with scotch whiskey as well. If you're vegetarian, you should know some tablet makers use fondant in their tablet, and fondant contains gelatin, which is a big no-no for vegetarians. There's some great sweet shops in Glasgow, and you can get freshly made tablet at places like Mrs. Mitchell's Sweet Shop. The proprietress there makes tablet using her own secret recipe. And then there's Glickman's. They make tablet. They've got a couple different kinds, and they've been doing it since 1903. Want to drink? I'll have another on Destination Eat Drink. Get the Destination Eat Drink podcast delivered to your phone, tablet, or computer automatically by subscribing wherever you get podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or RadioMisfits.com. Every episode of the podcast is also archived at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the podcast tab. One word comes to mind when you think about drinking in Scotland, and that's scotch. Or maybe two words come to mind, scotch whiskey. Or perhaps four words, single malt scotch whiskey. Scotch whiskey and Irish whiskey are different, and it's not just the spelling. Irish whiskey has an E on the end. Scotch whiskey is just W-H-I-S-K-Y, whereas Irish whiskey is W-H-I-S-K-E-Y. Scotch whiskey is made using malted barley. Irish whiskey, unmalted barley. Scotch whiskey is distilled twice, so-called double distilled, and Irish whiskey is distilled three times, triple distilled, which the Irish will tell you makes for a smoother scotch. Single malt scotch whiskey means that the whiskey comes from a single distillery. Blended scotches come from several distilleries, and single malt proponents will tell you that single malt whiskey is best because you can taste the differences between each distillery. There's tons of ways to sample scotch whiskey in Glasgow, and you might be tempted to jump in a car and drive to several distilleries to sample the product on site. That can make for a fun day, but just keep this in mind. Do not drink and drive. Laws are strict. Punishments are severe. Make sure you have a designated driver. And unlike the wineries in grape-growing regions, distilleries are rather spread out. Usually you can drive to several wineries. They're in the same area. Distilleries are in several different areas. So visiting more than two in a single day can be a big undertaking. To my thinking, the best way to visit a distillery is to take the bus from Glasgow to Glengoyne Distillery. The number 10 drops you right in front of the distillery. Just be sure you book your tasting tour in advance. Or you can book a half-day tour from the tour company Robbie's. They have a tour that takes you to Glengoyne and also takes you to Loch Lomond and Trasac's National Park. Best of all, you're not doing any of the driving. The only problem with visiting distilleries is that you are limited to that particular establishment's products. But if you want a good whiskey bar in Glasgow, then you can sample as many as you like. Pot Still 
has an unbelievable selection of Scotch whiskey, 700 or more at times on offer at Pot Still. Bon Accord, oh, they've only got 350. Ubiquitous Chip, they're another excellent choice. And Ben Nevis has great music to accompany your wee dram. Glasgow also has a couple of good whiskey bar tours, Dramble Tour. They hit six whiskey bars over the course of six hours. And once upon a whiskey, they do a less expensive whiskey tour and only visit four whiskey bars. While Scotch whiskey rules the day in Glasgow, cocktails are becoming more popular. Adventurous drinkers head to Soba, where concoctions like the Mango Tango, which is intended for more than one, is served in a skull glass. They also have a nice apple and ginger mojito. Meanwhile, Lebowski's has a great variety of white Russians, the dude abides, and the best gin bar in Glasgow, the Phineaston. They have 60 brands of gin and a very creative cocktail menu. Things to do and places to see. I don't know. What do you want to do? On Destination Eat Drink. Have a question or a comment about Destination Eat Drink? Find me on Facebook at Destination Eat Drink, Twitter at Eat Destination, or just click on the contact tab at DestinationEatDrink.com. You're not going to find bagpipers dressed in kilts on every corner in Glasgow. Head to Edinburgh if you want to see that. But there is a very lively music scene. Some traditional Scotch music and a lot of indie rock singer-songwriters and club DJs. Best of all, there's tons and tons of choices every night and much of it is for free. By 1993, Oasis had been banging around for a year or so, playing gigs, but failing to break through. That is, until they played a gig at King Tut's Wawa Hut in Glasgow. How the events of that night unfolded exactly aren't really clear, but the legend has it that Oasis, who had driven up from Manchester in a van, forced their way onto the stage at Tut's and played a fiery set that caught the attention of Alan McGee. Alan McGee was a band manager and owner of the famous Creation Records, and McGee offered them a contract on the spot. The rest, as they say, is history, or in the case of Oasis, a history of overindulgence and debauchery. Over the years, King Tut's had bands like Coldplay and The White Stripes and Beck and Radiohead and The Strokes when they were up-and-coming bands, but the club has hardly rested on their laurels. New bands are gracing their stage almost every night, and there's lots of other great clubs in Glasgow as well, Oren Moore is an absolutely gorgeous space. It's in a converted church. And the Barrowland Ballroom, that's an iconic venue, maybe the most famous in all of Glasgow. They played host to The Clash, The Smiths, U2, and more recently, Wilco. And then there's Stereo. It's a vegan cafe upstairs and a stage downstairs. Of course, there's lots and lots and lots of pubs in Glasgow, and many of them offer live music. One way to find a place is to wander around Merchant City, look for signs. Everyone advertises who's playing that night, and 
pop into a place or two and find your favorite. Many of these places usually have good indie singer-songwriter and or eclectic artists performing. And as a bonus, most of them have excellent food to keep you filled while you're being entertained. One of the best spots to see live music is Ben Nevis. I told you about their great whiskey selection. They also have traditional Scottish music three nights a week. Sunday night at Ben Nevis is very popular. Then there's the Howlin' Wolf. This place is named after the classic Chicago bluesman, and they offer all styles of live blues seven nights a week. It's always free admission at the Howlin' Wolf. Block is famous for a wide variety of musical artists, and their Sunday night open mic is actually a very high quality. Shows are free at Block, and they've got a nice menu that features lots of veg options. Glasgow isn't called the green place for nothing. Outdoor parks are a big part of the city. There's over 90 of them in Glasgow, but many of them are outside the city center, so unless you're a Glaswegian, you'll never get to visit them all. My favorite is the Botanic Garden in Glasgow. It's got plenty of outdoor spaces and green space for relaxing or having a picnic when the sun shines. You'll know when it's a sunny day in Glasgow because for some reason all the men take their shirts off. Uh, the Botanic Garden is a great place to hang and have a picnic. But the best part is when it's rainy in Glasgow and over half the days in Glasgow it rains, you can go inside to the greenhouses. They have several spectacular greenhouses. The best and biggest is the Kibble Palace, which features a huge glass dome. And in addition to the plant exhibits, which are interesting in themselves, the Kibble Palace has several statues. My favorite was done in 1927 by George Henry Pollan. The statue is called King Robert of Sicily, and it's based on the Longfellow poem of the same name, in which a king loses his throne to an imposter, becomes a pauper who is dressed in rags, and only has a monkey as a companion. I like the monkey because in the statue he looks even more thoughtful than the former monarch. You can see a picture of this statue at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just a 20-minute walk from the Botanic Garden is Kelvin Grove Park. It's 85 acres, and there's plenty of room for a nice stroll. And in the summer, they have a really nice bandstand where they have concerts. In the park is also the free Kelvin Grove Art Gallery and Museum. And in addition to their galleries, they have a daily free organ recital at 1 p.m. I love the Glaswegian sense of humor. It's self-deprecating. These folks can laugh at themselves and don't hesitate to take someone else down a notch, especially powerful people. I learned this when I saw the statue of the Duke of Wellington. He was a famous soldier and prime minister from the Empire days. The statue has the Duke of Wellington proudly sitting astride his faithful steed outside the Gallery of Modern Art, and on top of the Duke's head, an orange traffic cone. Some smart aleck decided to take the pish out of the Duke of Welly back in the 80s and climbed the statue to place a traffic cone on his noggin. Now, keep in mind, this statue is at least 20 feet high, and there's no easy way to get up there. And as soon as the local government saw this, they sent someone up to remove the cone. 
But as soon as they did that, another one would appear and they'd take it off and another one would appear. And this game of cone, cat and mouse continued for decades until 2013 when the town council convened and talked about raising the height of the statue. This was ultimately determined to be a very bad idea because, as was correctly pointed out, no matter how high you raise the statue, some drunken punter is going to try and climb up this statue and put another cone on top of the Duke of Wellington. And inevitably, some drunkard will fall off and really hurt themselves. So they kept the statue at its same height. And while the city doesn't condone folks climbing the statue or putting the cone on top of the duke, it seems for now they're willing to turn a blind eye to this coney practice. In a way, the old Duke of Wellington and his pointy hat have become a symbol of the city that doesn't take itself for former prime ministers, for that matter, too seriously. There's a great Facebook page called Keep the Cone. And Keep the Cone was originally started to oppose the city council's effort to raise the height of the statue. But today, it's just a funny page that points out Scottish culture and funny things that people say and do in Scotland. So check out their page and remember their motto, Keep it Coney. Glasgow can seem a bit gloomy at times with all that overcast weather and rain, not to mention the Gothic architecture. But... A colorful mural can certainly brighten things up, and Glasgow has done a great job of embracing the trend of street art. Since 2008, murals, many of them commissioned by the city, have been popping up all over. There's a free map that the city has come up with that you can download that has the locations of 25 of these murals. Go to Destination Eat Drink and get a link to that map. Sometimes I think the language barrier is greater in Scotland than it is in places like Italy or France. It seems to me most people, especially those under 40, speak English in Western Europe. But in Scotland, the accent is so heavy that understanding them is often quite difficult. They also have a very particular slang in Glasgow. And add to that some swally, that's Glaswegian for alcoholic beverages, and it might seem like a translator is needed. I've put on DestinationEatDrink.com some of the best slang terms in Glasgow, but let me just share my favorite, which is the Glasgow kiss, which has nothing to do with affection whatsoever. A Glasgow kiss is a headbutt. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat Drink. I like talking about and writing about all the food and beverages I've tried around the world, but when I'm not doing that, I write fiction. Check out my foodie novel, Truffle Hunt, and That Bird, my collection of short stories at DestinationEatDrink.com. Just click on the Contact and Books tab. The trains in Glasgow link up the rest of Scotland as well as England and Wales, and Glasgow is a nice location for a bunch of day trips. You might be tempted to do Edinburgh in a day trip. I think Edinburgh deserves at least two days, probably four, five, or even a week to truly appreciate it. But if your time is limited, 
I would say you can do Edinburgh in a single day trip. Here's how you would do it. The train leaves Queen Street and drops you in Edinburgh in less than an hour. And for a packed day in Edinburgh, start with a free walking tour. It's not really free, but you have to tip your guide. That starts at 10 a.m. It gives you a nice overview of Edinburgh and her history and will last a couple hours. Then head to the spectacular Edinburgh Castle. It not only looks fantastic, but inside is incredible. You'll want to spend at least a couple of hours there. You need to make sure, though, to get your tickets in advance online. Otherwise, you'll be waiting around unnecessarily. Then take the Edinburgh Old and Newtown food tour at 5 p.m., Monday through Thursday only. It lasts for a few hours and really gives you an insight into the food culture of Edinburgh. With this itinerary, you can be back in Glasgow in time to enjoy some great traditional music in one of the pubs that night. Scotland is filled with castles, and one of the most historic and dramatic is Stirling Castle. Best of all, Stirling Castle is within easy reach of Glasgow. It's a 35-minute train ride that drops you off in Stirling from there It's less than a 20-minute walk to the castle. The castle was first built here a 1,000 years ago, but the current structures date to the 1500s. If you've ever seen Braveheart, then you know William Wallace, and he won a battle here at Stirling Castle, as did Scottish patriot Robert the Bruce. There's even a statue of Robert the Bruce at the castle. Lots of folks want to visit the islands of the Inner Hebrides, the Isle of Skye, the Isle of Mull. And it's possible to see the Isle of Mull as a day trip from Glasgow. It would be a long day, but it's doable. You drive two and a half hours from Glasgow to Oban and then take a 50-minute ferry ride to the Isle of Mull or take the train to Oban and then take the ferry. But to my mind... A much better idea would be to spend a couple of days checking out the different islands of the Inner Hebrides and maybe even a couple more days checking out the more remote Outer Hebrides. For a day trip, I recommend taking a tour from Glasgow through the Highlands to Oban. You won't be visiting any of the islands, but you will get to see Loch Lomond, the town of Oban, where you can climb McCraig's Tower and see the Isle of Mull and Inverary. I've got a link to this tour that only costs 50 euros in the show notes. If you really want to see an island while you're in Scotland, I would say the Isle of Arran is your best bet. It's called Scotland in miniature because of its rugged landscape. It's got Scottish highlands in the north, it's got Scottish lowlands in the south, and it's easily accessible. The top site on the Isle of Arran is Brodick Castle. This was built in 1510, although there's been a fortress there for at least a thousand years. And once again, Robert the Bruce was here. His troops took the site in the 14th century. The Brodick Castle has been closed for the last few years to be renovated, but it recently reopened. And there's trains from Glasgow that can get you to Ardrisson in less than an hour. From Ardrisson, take the ferry to the Isle of Arran, and you'll be there in less than an hour. To see the island, you should probably bring a car or book a tour, or once you get there, maybe rent a bike. If you're planning on seeing the entire island, 
it'll take about four hours to drive around the whole thing, and that's without stopping. So you can see it would be a very long day if you're planning on seeing the entire Isle of Arran in one day. That's going to do it for Destination Eat Drink. A new episode drops each Friday. Join me next week as we hit another great foodie hotspot. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Radio Misfits and Ed Silla. Thanks, Ed. I'm Brent Peterson. I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.